Greetings, Kapla, and welcome everyone to our fan cast, where an adventurous rocket scientist, a Star Trek girl, and a sci-fi wingnut take an away team excursion from the Star Trek series Strange New Worlds and talk about the finale season of Star Trek Picard. We are super excited to geek out and talk about the show, so let's gear up, assume our stations, and hit it. Welcome back to Strange New Worlds P3 Edition. I'm your substitute teacher in for Sean. My name is SP, and we have our fearless leader with us, Captain Bubbles. I knew you were going to go with that. I knew you were going to say that. Bubbles in the gang. Bubbles was a Bubbles and Boys. Captain Bubbles, though. You're, you're our starship captain. You're the reason why we're here. Woohoo, I'm here. That's funny. And then we've got our new head of Section 35. His name is Jake. <laughs> God. He's never going to let you live that down, man. I don't care. You know, the bonus of this is you get to decide what Section 35 does. Uh, <laughs> now I have a whole section to worry about? No, just like, what do you want to do? You can, you know, you have an official capacity for it. Wow. See? You got to think of it as an opportunity. I mean, I'm, I'm literally like thrown off it. I don't even know where to begin. Well, we've got. Nine more episodes, including this one, eight after this one to figure it out. <laughs> and then you've got whatever else you guys do. I wanted to say this at the beginning, too. If somebody's confused that I'm in here taking over for Sean, I am not. I am simply here in a seat for the Picard season three. That's all I'm doing. Right. You all get Sean back for Strange Sean New Worlds. Sean will be back for Strange New Worlds. He's just not doing this part, Picard with this. Yes. I, well, you're not going to get Sean away from anything that has Nurse Chapel in it. <laughs> You no, go. never, ever. Yeah. Mm. I should have gotten posters like that. Sounds like a, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure somebody can send him posters on that. Anyway, what we're here talking about today is Picard season three, episode two, Disengage. It was directed by Douglas Amorowski, and I probably butchered his last name. I am so well. sorry. He did Highlander Endgame in 2000. He directed two episodes of Arrow, one episode of Flash. Believe it or not, Shannon, one episode of Timeless. Really? Yeah. You know, I love that show. It just didn't stick around long enough. There wasn't enough following behind it. Four episodes of Star Trek Discovery and including this one, five episodes of Picard. And we didn't talk about him last week, but he did direct last week's episode. It was written by a team, Christopher. Monfetti, who in his past has done 15 episodes of 12 Monkeys. That's important. We'll talk about that later. And then Sean Tretta, who has the Prometheus Project, which was done in 2010, as well as 30 episodes of 12 Monkeys. Also important. And I don't think we talked about before, but the showrunner for season three is Terry Matalas. And he is the third. That's Matalas. Matalas. I think it's Metallus. The third showrunner. He has previously worked on 12 Monkeys MacGyver and the upcoming Witch Mountain series. And the two previous showrunners in season one was Michael Chabon. And then in season two is Akiva Goldsman. So those are the three. And we've got Terry for here. Did you realize that the first episode that they aired last week that the planet they went down to is Metallus? Metallus 3 or whatever? That's him. He named it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you get to name your own planet. I was going to say, if you discover a planet, you get to name it after yourself. That's right. Just like Jake. He's got section. Oh, section. <laughs> yeah. Section 35. <laughs> <laughs> never, man. It's never going to die. Never. You know, eventually, if you keep doing this podcast long enough, Trek will incorporate section 35 into the lore. Oh, my God. I, no, I, I have a project for the week now. <laughs> there you go. Uh-uh. <laughs> So talk about some projects. We had the Shrike, right? Shannon, you were talking about the Shrike. We found out a lot more about the Shrike, the badass villain ship out there. Vatic? Yeah, Vatic. I know she's been to be a bad guy, but she's pretty freaking cool. I like how she sits and giggles and laughs. Amanda Plummer is awesome. Is that who that is? Yeah. 
I just like how she's just doing giggles in her seat. She plays a pretty cool badass. Now, at the same time, is her father's played a bad guy, too. Christopher Plummer played Kang. Uh, Kang? Khan. Chang. General Chang in Star Trek VI. Mm-hmm. Got a family affair going on right there. Yeah, she was just having fun. It was great. And she had her starship throw another it starship at a third starship. We had starship baseball going on out there. <laughs> I like how the fortune, the fortune, he's like, well, the fortune, what just happened? She threw a ship at us, sir. That's pretty good. She means business. I'd move out of her. The whole ship reminds me of like a banana spider. It kind of reminds me a little bit of the starship in uh, Nemesis, unfortunately. In- yeah, I can see it. And the worst part about it is, is that I was trying to see whether or not there's a connection because I, I can't remember what that was called, but it was some sort of like, it, not a, obviously bird of prey, but it was some sort of that type of name that I'm drawing a blank on. Well, it wasn't Nemesis. It was the one that had, it was a mining ship with um, Eric Bana. Oh, that, that would be. Um, that was Star Trek. This is the regular Star Trek with, with them. But I don't think they ever named that ship. No, but I know what you're talking about. The one that's real pointy and green and yeah. it goes down. Yeah. That was the Star Trek with. Spock was in it. We had the Red Manor. It's the, the original J.J. Abrams one. Oh, is that what that was? Pine. Chris yeah. Pine. Uh, yeah. It was the Chris Pine one. Because that's the one that you had Chris Simsworth and Chris Pine in together. And I was starting to wonder before we really kind of got introduced to Amanda Plummer, whether it was going to turn out that she was going to be some sort of, I didn't know if we were going back to the whole Romulus has been destroyed thing, you know, somewhere along the line that this was a revenge that he couldn't save everybody or something of that nature. (sighs) I didn't get to see my Romulan honey. (laughs) There are so many intertwined timelines that you don't even know if the Shrike is from that timeline that was ported over. You, you just never know. But I don't think they're going to go that way. I think they're going to maintain the next generation timeline. And I think what we're going to get eventually is Tasha Yara's daughter. Well, but Romulus has been destroyed in this timeline. Not Vulcan, Romulus. Right. Vulcan's still there. Romulus has been destroyed. And the whole thing from even season one is that Picard had tried to save more people. And because of the whole. That's why I left Starfleet. Exactly. Because they wouldn't let him continue building ships to save people. Right. So I didn't know if this was somewhere along the line, considering the fact that that ship has such a appearance to basically the Riemann renegade ship in uh, Nemesis, as well as the. Romulan renegade ship from the J.J. Abrams movie, if somewhere along the line we were going back to the fact that they couldn't save more people at Romulus and the fact that maybe this was revenge for him giving up and just leaving Starfleet. I don't think that's where we're going at this point, but that was my original thought. She does seem to know who Picard is, though. She also knows... Well, she seems to know who everyone Everyone is. is on the ship, yeah. Like Shaw. She does, and I think you're gonna get a little bit of lore in there with Sella, I think, is what's going to happen here. That's just my prediction. And Sella is Yar's daughter. Daughter. Yep. So we'll see what happens there. Also, talking about returning characters, we found out who the handler was. It's Worf. Who knew? You know what? I loved that scene. I rewinded it and watched it so many times this morning. I'm so glad that he is. I mean, I know he's supposed to be the pacifist this year, but that was clearly not the moment. He beheaded like three of them. <laughs> you know, and who knew we'd see a Ferengi of all species? Briefly. I think what you're going to go for is not the fact that he's a pacifist, but the fact that, that he's supposedly gained control over his anger and desire just to resort to violence. Hmm. He always had it. He always kind of had a control over it. Yeah, but he had, he's never had any hesitation to resort to violence. I think it's going to be a little bit more of a versus ju- let's just go in for the fight. Let's, um, you know, let's talk first. But we don't know what's made him such a pacifist either. True. So we'll find out. Today, there's a lot to find out there, as I guess, for lack of a better term. I guess today was not a good day to die. It's not. 
It was a good day to kill, I guess. I was almost convinced that it was going to be seven, like seven would be her handler. But it makes sense now because one of the first quotes he did was a year a warrior. That kind of threw it into me for war, for it to be to wharf. Yeah, we kind of, yeah, it's wharf instead of seven. We talked about that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm glad he showed up when he did, but Rafi had to take the drug. So hopefully. Did she? Did she? Okay. So let's go down. I wasn't going to go down here right now, but. Let's go on the rabbit hole. Okay. I do like the fact that they are trying to delve deeper into her character because I think they're going to use her after this because you guys were speculating last time that they might be doing another series in the future, like based on the Titan or whatever. So I think they want to reuse Rafi and to reuse Rafi, what you're going to have to do is delve deeper into her character. So it has a lot more meaning and her character is very complex. So you have her dealing with her I don't know ex, if it's ex-husband. Yeah, ex, ex-husband. And this is a son. And- so you have all that. And then she has to choose between that and then her duty to these 117 people that she saw horrifically murdered, right? Through the portal device. So she's got that conflict going on. Actually, can we talk about the fact that it was only 117 people? They dumped a building through a portal on top of another building and only 117 people passed? It was third shift. <laughs> It's all about shift work, man. It's all about shift work. Well, 117 people are there, and the the building did look pretty big, uh, granted, there. But she is now making those decisions. And the other thing about her that I was looking at was that she is a skilled operative of Starfleet, and yet she goes in blind to this meeting with this Ferengi and expects to get what she wants with just going straight in and I need the information. I was working for this guy and I know he didn't pull the trigger in it. Really? I would expect a little bit more from her. Maybe she didn't expect to go in by herself. But no, but, but even then, you know, even with the conversation with her ex, she is obviously suffering from some fashion form of mental disorder, whether it be obsessive compulsive disorder something of that she's apparently one of those people who's been notorious for seeing connections whether they're there or not there i mean i I won't go so far as to say she's a beautiful mind but she's intelligent but at the same time she's uh, starfleet intelligence is using her for that but it's not mentally good for her she's not in a good place it's not and she's surrounded by all the drugs and and all the lifestyle down there it's not even the drugs and the lifestyle. They're even then they're feeding into her already easily manipulated sense of paranoia to get her to do what they wanted her to do. It's this is just not a good situation for her all around because they even hint to the fact that her original thing was substance abuse was she was self medicating for this reason. That's some deep thoughts, man. <laughs> deep thoughts by section thirty five. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, this is the mental health section. This is really section 35, as we put, is the mental health section now. <laughs> okay, there so we go. So I wonder why Worf would be involved in intelligence. I mean, like, he wasn't in that before. He wasn't part of intelligence in Deep Space Nine. So somewhere along the way, he's gotten involved where even he wanted to be a secret from her. That means he knows who was selling the products and who bought them and yeah. For, so first of all, Worf has always been in security, so it doesn't surprise me that he shifted into a more spyish role right. from security. Believe me, in there. <laughs> well, I don't know if it's going to come into it at all. But even then, if you remember from his stent on Deep Space Nine, he's he's already off the list to ever command anything with regards to a ship or anything like that ever again. So he's actually just from his record, perfect for uh, intelligence. Yeah, broken career. Let's throw you at this so at least you have some dedicated service to give. The other thing, though, is I didn't get why he didn't want to be seen and he was treating it as a blind handler contact. I didn't understand why he was doing that. Why was he trying to maintain his anonymity? Unless he has someone above him that's telling him to do so. Maybe. Well, there's obviously something much 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 deeper going on here i mean no question the sun you've got experimental weapons that are suddenly disappearing you've got this woman in a 
ship filled with experimental weapons who knows everything about everyone. Well, I think she's getting that information from someone like Lore, who would already have the information on all the officers from the Enterprise. So I think Lore will play into that somehow as the person who is backing the Amanda Plummer character. Yeah, but we were talking about Rafi, right? No, I, I just mean as far as the overall conspiracy that's going on right. here. There, there's something yeah. deep going on. I, and I think that somewhere along the line, I don't know whether we're going to go back into the idea that Starfleet is starting to go downhill or whether or not it is just something as simple as you've got lore with all of his information just feeding it to people or what. But there's something deeper going on here, obviously. How many times have we seen Starfleet Command and all the admirals go bad? How many times have we seen that? Several, right? Jellico, yep. I don't think that Jellico was bad. We, I mean, we didn't name him by name last time, but Jellico was definitely one of the captains that came on of uh, the Enterprise D. Did we ever admiral him? I don't think so. Which I can't, it's been so long. I don't remember, I'm sorry, I don't remember the episode, but do you remember the episode where, where they had the bugs and the admiral, they were all at the... Yes, that one. That's one of them. I think. That being said, I think that's part of one of the season one episodes that everyone's trying to forget. <laughs> <laughs> season one was pretty hard to get through. I admit, especially with the like phallic symbol that Deanna had on her head for a long time. <laughs> that had to change. I'm sorry, it had to change. But if you look at just, I'm sorry to go back there, but Star Trek Discovery, as much as we really loathe what they've done with some of that. You can see, especially the moment they got into the future, that Starfleet started at some point into a decline. That even before the the burn, I think is whatever what they called it, where all the dilithium blew up, yeah. they were already having political issues. You know, the the, Romul- the Romulan and Vulcan reunification was already considering pulling out of Starfleet, not Starfleet, but the Federation in of itself. They were already having issues are we looking at the beginning of that you know thousand or so year tumble down maybe i mean they they can't ignore it they have to acknowledge that it's happening because discovery for better or for worse is canon until they flip the timeline on us so it's there so you you might have a point but even then you know even after season two uh, q manipulated the timeline again on us when does Q not manipulate anything? He's always manipulating something with a snap of his fingers. Anybody who's heard me on a podcast basically has heard me say how much that last scene with Q just really threw me for a loop. It was cool. But even then, something else in the process of thinking about timelines and even what he said to Picard clicked with me not too long ago because what he said to Picard is, you're my favorite. Now, he wasn't just talking about favorite person and all of that, he was talking about his favorite Picard as well, because there's obviously various versions of Picard floating around there. Dude, you get way too deep in this. Way too deep. Yes, I know. I Once again, Section 35, obsessive compulsive disorder, brain goes the wrong way. Let's go into conspiracy theories. It's not really conspiracy. I just want to know why Jack Crusher has a British accent. Does that mean that Beverly's been living these past <laughs> 20 years next to the Chateau? <laughs> it's just not that far from France. Come on. I was trying to figure out why, where I recognize that actor from. He plays an Outlander. Actually, I never watched Outlander, but then again, I unfortunately watched the uh, the movie version of Aragon when it first came out. When it came out, mm. that, and he's the one who played Aragon. He is. That's why he played. Yes, is that him? Well, they had him looking familiar enough that what I the theory that I had, which was a hundred percent incorrect, was I was wondering if he was the same actor that played. Uh, young Jean-Luc when they got aged backwards. Oh, yeah. That was a good one. It's not. Yeah, I didn't But they so. had his hair done up in that fashion and stuff like that, so I was wondering whether or not they, they went for a deep pull there. They didn't, but... So, my question is, how did he get so involved in all this criminal activity and he said that his mother's been right there beside him all the time? I call BS. He's a smooth talker, right? People who dislike me, gamblers, low-level gangsters, fathers of daughters everywhere. I mean, that was just, he was just throwing that <laughs> off the cuff. That's a good line. He is the series Han Solo. Yeah, I'm not going to give him that much credit yet. 
Oh, he's a smuggler. He is a smuggler. He is a terrorist. He's even wanted for murder. And I'm still, still not buying the idea that with Picard at age 70 and Crusher at age 60, that they managed to have a child, even in the Federation at that time period. Synthetic? I don't know. It could happen. It could happen. My point is, is I'm hoping that I'm hoping that there is more to the story there than just You're saying 50 year olds can't get it on. I think they can. No, no, no. They weren't 50. He remember this took place. The um, the kid was born 20 years ago. The kid's supposed to be about 20 years old. Right. He's in the 70s. Well, no, Picard's supposed to be in his 90s at this point. He can't be in his 90s right now. Yes. Picard is in his 90s at this point. Okay. One of the seasons they talk Whole about. Whole other images in my head now. <laughs> I did not need to. Uh. Exactly. So, so if, you, if you drop it back, and if, even if you give Crusher the idea of maybe that she's about 10 years younger than he am, so if you take it back 20 years, that means he was 70 when he supposedly got her pregnant. Okay. So I'm going back to be completely wrong in this. I'm going back to the whole Petri dish plan. <laughs> because... Well, Let's put it this way. I would buy him being the father even more than I'd buy her being the mother because the, her carrying it at 60 years old is even harder to believe than him fathering it at 70. Petri dish. I don't know. There's still the look that they had for each other. Well, then even if you go into Petri dish, then you come to the question of why. I guess that's the big question of the season. <laughs> oh, all I'm saying is there is there has to be, or at least I'm hoping that there is more to that than just you know, she got pregnant and left. I hope there's more to the fact that there's got to be a really, really, really good reason why she kept it from him, because I think that's kind of crappy. Yeah, I got a whole bunch of why questions to ask. Why did Beverly tell Picard to trust no one? That has not been explained yet. What is the purpose of using the portal tech? Is it just to destroy? Why did they go after that one environment? I got a theory on that, but it's a, it's a really thin thread. Why are they after Jack Crusher to begin with? I also have a theory. Again, thin thread. Why did Worf not want to meet with Raffi? And how did the Titan completely sneak up on this Master Shrike ship and disrupt the tractor beam? Oh my God, that was a great scene. It was a great, it made me jump. Yeah, it was such a great scene. If you're the Shrike and you have all this weaponry, you also have targeting sensors. Could you not see them coming? Yeah. Yeah. Open up a damn window. You'll see him coming. But the blind. Next to the nebula, but they can still sense. They can still sense something. It looked like they jumped into it, right? I was going to say, they didn't just impulse themselves in there. They warped in there. Yeah. And my, so my other thought process is who came up with that maneuver? Because. LaForge. Maybe. Or even. Um. Seven of nine, because what we figured out about the captain is he's not a bad guy. He's a wuss. He's not a wuss. He's a by the book guy. He's a jerk, but he's not wrong. Oh, no, I didn't say he was wrong. I just said he's one of those guys who's he's a CYOA guy is basically what it comes down to. Now, I would even go by the book. He's a making sure that it's not going to come down on him. All right. Fair enough. Because when he capitulates, when John Luke finally said, because he's my son, he's like, Okay, we're doing this. This is on you. I'm like, why? You've been hard over this entire time. And then as soon as that happens, you're like, okay, let's go do this. Like, But once again, he's not a bad guy. I think the other thing that somewhere along the line has clicked with him, especially when Jean-Luc just pulled on his admiral hat and started running with it, is that I think he realized that in the politics of all of this, he's going to lose. If he goes back to Starfleet and says... The, you know, the amazing Admiral Picard told me to, and I said no, and these people died, that he's not going to win this. He's retired. He's not even in active duty. It's not a direct or it's not. Well, if, if we do U.S. Navy rules, he's not an active commander. See, it didn't make any sense to me that, that he would just cave into him like he did in this episode where the last episode, when they're sitting at the dinner table talking, he's like, nope, we're not doing that. Nope, we're not doing that. You're telling an admiral no, but now you're letting the admiral take over? It, what happened? You're such a, you know, hard line one way. One thing, is, one moment is a bureaucratic, we're deciding where we're going to go sitting at the dinner table thing. And one is a, in the moment, a battle is about to start. And I know he's been through this more than I have. 
There were two really cool scenes with in, in regards to that, I thought. One was the moment with Riker, Picard, and Shaw were all on the bridge, and they yell out Captain, and all three of them at the same time say, what? <laughs> <laughs> and the other was when they were doing exactly what we were just talking about. Picard sits down and says, engage. And you know they throw out the three photon torpedoes and then highlight it into the nebula. Both of those moments were pretty cool. I like the moment where Riker and Picard were, were talking about it. Riker's like, are you sure? Sh- can't what you can't see it are you telling me you honestly can't see it i see it what's wrong with you i don't see is there supposed to be some sort of physical resemblance that i'm not getting no not even their physical resemblance the the, at this point i think it's the accent (laughs) okay i i could see the attitude but i can't see either the accent or the looks or even just put two and two together she left you 20 years ago disappeared and now she has a 20 year old son Put two and two together here, dude. We need at least three more episodes because I don't like. I'm gonna say it. I wasn't a fan of this episode. I, it didn't draw me in like the first one did. Which I that's the point. I know the first one's supposed to draw you in. The second one's introducing you to the, to the baddie, but it didn't have enough oomph for me in this episode. Can we talk about the fact that her ship gets hit with three torpedoes and the people start running and she's giggling? <laughs> oh, Vatic. Yeah, yeah, they because it was a tickle. She knew it. She's like, <laughs> oh, "Okay, we're doing this. All right." It's just like when your kids are little, right? And they're trying to roughhouse with you, and you're like, "Okay, you want to do this? All right. Well, I'll throw you on the bed, and we'll bounce you around a little bit, and yeah, we'll take charge again." I love how she giggles. I think Amanda Plummer is going to be the true gem of this season. She already is. She's the best one on screen right now. Exactly. She's been on the she's been on the screen for what three minutes. So, did you ever figure out what on the last episode you were talking about the men from her ship that went on to on to crush her ship? He said they remind you of someone. Did you the ones in the black robes and stuff? Did you ever figure that out? So, the sounds that they were making, the clicking noise. If I'm not mistaken, it was clicking noises, and the clicking noises is what the Gorn sound like, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, are we, you know, the Gorn is basically the big baddie for strange new worlds. Are we introducing them here again now, too? Well, I don't think they're necessarily introducing them. They were just bad guys that were after crushers. Right. Because you had the Starfleet guys, you had Klingons, I think they said, and then you had the Gorn. So Jack Crusher was saying everybody's been after us and it's not like one entity being on the Ferengis, yeah yeah what has he got himself into i swear it i don't think beverly is into it i think she's trying to protect picard and keep him away from him the look that she gave the looks the look the looks on the bridge when she was they had no verbal communication whatsoever which you know i think from the actor's standpoint you don't get paid as much if you don't speak you don't have like three lines or something anyway the looks that she was giving jean-luc on the bridge to tell him that jack is his son and to change everything just with those looks it was amazing it was truly amazing i still want laris back (laughs) don't even get me started don't even she's still out there go ahead it's it'll be fine the pointy eared honey i'm I, i have to pick her that's it yep hey Maybe we'll get really, really lucky in this, and they'll be uh, progressive enough to the point where it'll be a nice polyamorous relationship. <laughs> it's the 25th century. Why not, right? Beam it on over. <laughs> Come on over. The conversation that Picard has with Jack in the brig was masterful. It was quick. They didn't have much time. Jean-Luc didn't have much time to prepare. Crusher wasn't there. He couldn't confer with her. And it was just Jack, Beverly Crusher. It was just Jack and him. And he was trying to get information. And Jack was just sparring right back at him. Like, I never had a dad knowing that he is genetically his father. At least that's what we're led to believe. Do you think he knew then? Or do you think he found out when they were taught when Seven was holding him at Phaser Point? I think that's when he found out. Because the look on his face, like, oh, crap. That's, that's, who, that's who my dad is. I don't think he knew. Well... There is speculation that, like, who's the daddy sort of thing. Well, let's take this through. Jake, you're in the medical profession, right? What is sequenced when you use a transporter? 
what is sequence when you use your when you use a transporter? Your DNA. Your DNA is sequenced when you're using a transporter. True, because it needs to know where to put all the atoms back together. What do you need for a paternity test? Uh, a genetic pattern. And if you have the genetic parent pattern, the Titan already knew that Jack was Picard's His son. son. Oh yeah. Ew. Some. I mean, hell, we we keep getting this. We keep getting the screen at the end of the in the end credits. It's showing you all the genetic work somewhere along the line. I love that screen. Do you see the the one that says redacted all the redacted information on it? I have a really rough theory, and you guys have already seen how my theories run because the whole Thomas Riker thing has been debunked, and we haven't even discussed that <laughs> one yet. But yeah, that didn't work out. But I do have a another thin theory since they're going on this whole Star Trek two theme that the DNA. And the device that they're looking at is a new Genesis device. Now, I could be completely mistaken. The device could be the portal device. But because they do, they're doing all this genetic stuff and they have that device, which does look like the Genesis device, if you take a close look at it. You're talking about it going back to the screens at the end where one of the things is that goes from the Klingon uh, wording to the uh, human wording, then over to showing you a device. Yes, uh, I was wondering what that was, and it would be kind of interesting if they were trying to redo Genesis, because even then, you know, if you take back to where it is because of the fact that they discovered it could be weaponized, especially considering the fact that it doesn't really work or didn't back in the Star Trek II era, uh, that they had decided to completely discontinue the idea. So the fact that they were going back there even goes back into the whole concept of the moral corruption of Starfleet. I have no idea if it's true or not. It's just a theory and it's a thin theory. Makes sense. But the other thing that I was thinking of in terms of the next generation, remember where they had this whole, I think it was even a two-parter, Vaj was involved, where they were looking at the, the origins of all life in the galaxy or the universe or whatever. Yeah, that's where they, it's the character that they repurposed the founders from for, uh... Discovery. Discovery, no, Deep Space Nine. Oh. They had it in Discovery too, didn't they? No. No. Did they? The same character in the exact same makeup ended up being the founders in Deep Space Nine. Right. So I was thinking that that was a possibility of a story that they would rehash as well. But I didn't do any, I mean, I saw this at 3 a.m., I'm running on two and a half hours of sleep today, so my thought process is a little bit flawed right now, so give me a break. But this is actually part of the fun about it, and part of the fun of sitting here thinking about it is, if you really look at it, there is so much lore, no pun intended, that you can pull from. You could go any direction, really. Exactly. There's, there's so much, which is one of the reasons why I am keep going back to and harping on, I hope it's not just as simple as he knocked up. Beverly Crusher, because there's so much that they could pull from to make it a better story than that. All right. My first note that I have in, in my notes that I was trying to collect my thoughts again, two and a half hours of sleep is that I had hoped for a more complex story than we're getting because the three things that the f three or four reveals that we got, of course, this is my own making. The show didn't give it, but the whole Thomas Riker versus Will Riker. That was debunked in a trailer. It wasn't debunked in the episode, but that was debunked in a trailer. When Deanna was mad at him. Yeah. She said, you just go off with John Luke at the drop of a hat. So it's like, okay, it's not Thomas. It's, it's Will. So that's my own theory. Okay. And then you have the fact that Jack is John Luke and Beverly's son. Way simple, underwhelming, and disappointing compared to what it could have been. And it still could be more than that. It still could be because we don't know. We don't know yet. I mean, we, she didn't talk. so. I hope it's more because just as it is right now, she got a lot of explaining to do. Yeah, lots <laughs> of it, like twenty years of it. And then the other one is, is Stadwick. I think that Captain Shaw could have been a lot more complex than it turned out to be, and also the whole seven thing. Was she relieved of duty or not? That whole story thread just went back and forth and back and forth. She was relieved of duty and ignored it and went to help. I think part of it is what you're seeing, and, it, and it's part of me even going back to the captain being a, a bit of a wuss, is she personality-wise overpowers him all the time. 
she's just doing what she thinks is right there and just right. moving along. That's why her whole thing that, yes, yeah, she was relieved of duty, but even then you hear her going, I don't care where you, what my status is, do what I told you to. Yeah, she says that in the hallway. So, yes, she was relieved of duty, but then she's like, I don't give a crap. I'm going to go because we, we need it. We need to get this. But even then, it kind of goes back to even then why I thought he caved in towards Picard is he even once he realized that being a tactical situation that she was going to know how to handle it better than him. He gave her her spot back immediately. He doesn't have the tactical whereabouts to be a captain. Well, it it kind of goes back to maybe wuss is the wrong word, but it kind of goes back into what I'm saying. He's not a bad guy. He's a out of his depth. Be a cover your ass kind of guy. And he's just, he's got all of this going on around. Actually, the worst part about it is I think it's an interesting character the more and more that we get to him because he's got all of this stuff that is so above him from all of these people who've been through that sort of thing going on around him. Yet, technically, with everything, even with all the admiral and senior captains, he's actually the guy in charge. And I think what you're seeing is, is that he's just looking at what's going on around him going, I am so far out of my depth. I don't know what to do. And he just gives up. Well, even Picard's like, well, if you just stand up a little bit to her, you might get it better. Side note for a second. Jake, is that a cat behind you? Do you have a cat? I have four of them. I was actually, I mean, considering the fact that I'm set up on the kitchen table, I was waiting to have my Cartman yelling at the kitty moment at some point during this. Yeah, I know my mind, you know where it goes. And you were like, there's a better word for um, better word for wuss and i was thinking of another word and then i saw your cat behind me <laughs> I, I actually what i've been trying to do is try i've been trying to be polite enough not to, to use that me. word <laughs> you knew what i was doing i was trying not to use that word i know exactly which word you're talking about i was trying not to use it <laughs> okay so anyway those four things got me thinking in terms of i wish the story was a little bit more complex because i went into the season especially after the first episode thinking we're going to finally get like this is going to be the hit of Star Trek that's going to vault it into public discussion because it's going to be as good as Game of Thrones or Walking Dead or Last of Us or, you know, whatever. And then we get into this episode and it's like, oh, well, it's good track. It's kind of the best sort of show that would be on the sci-fi channel, but it's not something that's like everybody's talking about around the water cooler. Right. Well, like like I said before, this particular episode, it wasn't it didn't overwhelm me like the first one was, but it wasn't meant to. I mean, it's meant to introduce more characters. It's meant to introduce the, the trouble that Jack has got himself into that's caused all of it. I mean, like you said, we have more episodes, so hopefully we find out more about the connections. I think it, Shannon's going in the right direction. There's, there's a whole lot more to be told here. I hope so. We've got more room. I think, I think all we're doing at the moment is just setting the hook. Right. So you, they introduce. What, what was it, Vatic? I really like Vatic's character. Pretty badass. I just don't see how they're going to say that, that Beverly just stood by all these years and allowed Jack to do what he's been doing. I don't think she would have been in, in cahoots with that at all. Right. When he says, oh, she, she, not only has she been behind me, you know, all this time, but she's been right beside me. Who do you think taught me this? Well, I call BS. It keeps going on to, you've got, Worf over uh, here doing, you know, spy stuff. You've got Beverly off in the middle of nowhere. Something is in you. And not only that, you've got a villain who knows and understands more about Everything. what's going on than she should. She knows all the people on the bridge. Anyway, my my issue was that the four things that came out were a lot more simple than I would hope. So so hopefully it gets a little bit more complex as we go along and that these plot threads that you guys are talking about are going to be interwoven a little bit more and we get a little surprised or a little bit of duck and weave rather than the straightforward stuff it has to come all together in some fashion or form at some point what raffi's doing has to connect into what's going on with picard over on the other side somewhere along the line otherwise somebody in the writer's room needs to be fired <laughs> have you at the ending credits I haven't noticed they haven't changed from the first episode to this, right? So I think every time I watch it, I'm looking for little Easter eggs, right? So you see the redacted, the redacted ship that's been destroyed. You see the holograph, uh, the hologram that's been opened. Holodeck. Ho well, yeah, holodeck. You still got lore that's coming. You still got what was uh, Mordor? Jordy still has to show up. Jordy's got another daughter involved. What's the what's the guy's name from Moriarty? Thank you. 
you still got his character. I think, wouldn't it be fair to say that even though I don't remember that episode altogether, I know that makes me a bed jacket, but he was a part of the hologram, right? So when you close that down, wouldn't how would he not know? They basically created a virtual world for him and let him run through that. I have a theory as to why he shows back up, though. Okay. Well, I think Lore's brought him out. No, I think that may go the other direction. They may bring him out to go up against Lore, because remember, he was created solely to be a character oh. that could beat Data. So he's not going to be a bad guy. Maybe he'll be a good he guy. May, he may get dragged out in order to help go up against Lore. Whenever you do that, you got to be careful. It's like the Suicide Squad uh, mentality. <laughs> it's like, okay, we're going to let you out, but we've got bombs planted in your head sort of thing. There's too many baddies at the moment, too many theories running in my head, and I'm like, what the heck is happening? And like I said, that's why I have issues with this episode. I'm not saying it's a bad episode, but I had conflicting... The moment I, I finished watching it, I was like, is this good or is it bad? And I'm like, my first inkling is it's bad, primarily because my Thomas Riker theory went out the window, but I, <laughs> I went into what is good about this, and I went down the list of all the stuff that was good. You know, the looks that Beverly gives, the conversation that Picard has with Jack in the brig, all the stuff that we talked about. I'm like, yeah, okay, I can see that it's all good, but I'm just, I'm struggling. So hopefully next week we get going a little bit more. Were you waiting for more of an aha moment to get out of episode two? I mean, I, I guess I'm not, wasn't expecting aha to come out of episode two. I wasn't. Yeah, because it's not, that's not what twos are for. Number threes are for that aha. The reveal that Jack is Picard's son was disappointing to me because there were so many other ways that could have been gone on that. I'm not saying it's bad. Okay, so let me go into some predictions because it leads into what I'm thinking here. So you guys speculated last episode, and I agree with you, that they are possibly setting up a next generation new series based on the Titan. So based on that, who would you crew the Titan with? And just for example, Captain Seven, because I'm guessing Todd Stashwick is going to die at some point in time. I mean, he's a great total red shirt. Total he's red a shirt. great character to bring in and wreak havoc. And I love seeing him on screen, but I don't think he's going to make it out of this. Okay, no, no, but okay, then then I'm going to ask for a prediction here because I have my own theory. Does he go out as a wuss or does he find his stones and go out as a hero? He goes out as a hero. He's going to find some stones somewhere. He, they've got to drop somewhere. Somewhere. Todd is not in here to go out as a wuss. I agree with you, I, I, but I was just wondering whether or not you had a theory. Somewhere along the line, he's going to sacrifice himself to let everyone else live and kind of go out in that way. Remember, his driving force is to save his crew. And of course, that's Starfleet directions outside of Federation space, but he is driven to protect his crew. So I could totally see him sacrificing himself to protect the crew of the Titan. Oh, absolutely. So you say, well, you're talking about the next generation of the people that's going to be on the Titan. Like you said, Jake, somewhere along the line, Jordy's other daughter is going to be here. Well, I'm thinking number one is Rafi. She comes back and it, it, it would be a great dynamic between Seven and Rafi because they had that whole relationship in season two, right? Right. Not only that, but they've got a rather hot tempered relationship as well. So they, they can spend most of the season arguing with each other over whatever is going on. Well, that breaks. So, that's going to break so many rules with them together. Yeah, the helmsman ends in LaForge, right. obviously. I don't know if she'd flip over to be an engineer. Maybe that's the other daughter. And the ship's doctor, Jack Crusher, because he is into all this medical supplies and stuff. He's probably got extensive medical training, especially with his mom being who she is. She was head of Starfleet Medical for a while, including, you know, teaching doctors. So I can see her teaching Jack to be a doctor. So it's feasible that he could come back on the Titan after the season as the chief medical officer. Absolutely. I don't see him being a likable character after this, though. I've got to see a lot more because... You will. Well, forgive me for my brain bouncing in different directions, but did anybody pick up on the fact that even the Rangers, who are supposedly just there to be do good things outside of Starfleet... Tattled on them? Exactly. They're, even they're corrupted. I mean, if you see a crate of rum in an ale, you're going to take it. 
Oh, no, no, no. I don't mean that. That I agreed with. I'm talking about the fact that they, after they took it, he was the one that turned them in. Yeah. He tattled on them. True. You've got bad apples all, all over the place. And I would have bought turning them into the Federation, but he turned them into the bad guys. But he said something about the woman. The woman. Yeah, the marked woman. I don't know if that's Sella or if that's Captain Valak. It could be Crusher. You're on Crusher's ship. Oh. So Beverly finds Jack that way. Okay. Maybe. So, I mean, that's what I got out of it. He's on their ship. She's on Crusher's ship. So the marked woman, who else would he be talking about other than the woman that's on the ship? Well, I think he was saying, tell the marked woman we found him. I think that's what the line was. And that's Vedic with all the scars on her face. Ah, uh, marked as in marked. Okay, I got you. Dang it. So long between now and next week. You know, it could go three ways. It could be Sella, it could be Vedic, could be Crusher. Yeah, I know. It's just fun that we've got going on. Sean won't even watch these episodes. He likes to binge it all at the end. So every time I'm watching something, I have to pause it when he walks in. I'm like, hurry up. I want to watch it. So, <laughs> Well, maybe we can have him at the, uh, at the final episode if he wants to come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> come on, guys. Nah, it's okay. All right. There is a reference, by the way, that I want to throw in here. All of Jack Crusher's aliases were JC. JC, right? The first name started with J. The last name started with a C. So one of the aliases was James Cole. That is important because of Todd Stashwick and, and the writers and everybody have all this 12 monkeys. James Cole was the main character in 12 monkeys. So that was the Easter egg there that the James Cole alias. I've never seen 12 monkeys. I would have never known that. It actually is. A, it, okay. So it's on DiFi, as you want to call it. DiFi. It was on DiFi. It was actually the last, in my opinion, great series on sci-fi. And it was unexpectedly good because I've watched the 12 monkeys movie and that was. Brad Pitt, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was a total mind frack. I didn't like it. I didn't enjoy it at all. But the series was amazing. It was time travel and it was causality and it was science fiction and everything. The series took out the concept of, is he crazy or not? Yes. And that made it more enjoyable to, for me. Yeah. I mean, it, the series basically made the future was real. What you had in the movie was, are these delusions or is it real? Right. Anyway, that was an Easter egg in the episode was James Cole, the name James Cole. And also Todd Stashwick was in 12 Monkeys. And Shannon, I think you would enjoy that series. I really do. Really? I, I do. I think the the main woman character in there, I think. I love how you know I'm going for the hot chicks. <laughs> yeah, I think you would enjoy her. And she's not the only one. There is a crazy, you might like the crazy one too. She's really cool. We always like the crazy ones. Yeah. <laughs> you got to be careful. I always seem to find them. Hey, hey, hey. Section 35. <laughs> that, that's a great place to bring that back right there. We take the crazy one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So do you guys have any other suggestions on a crew or you want to debate uh, possible crew members that I threw out there already? Do you, do you have anybody else that I'm missing? At this point, there's, so much going on, I can't even predict anything at the moment. I don't know. As much as fun as it is to dive deep into Star Trek lore and come up with different ideas as to where they could or couldn't be going, I think the point is, and, and it's, I think it's kind of what you're complaining about, is we don't know. We don't have any information other than there's a bad person and Sean Luke has a son. That's really all we know. Right. With Strange New Worlds, though, that whole thing was created because you had Christopher Pike come on and he was such a commanding character right. that they're like, oh, we need to make a series about yeah. this. I think they're looking for the same sort of stuff for this next generation crew. I will say, and this is going to be an unpopular thing, for, I'm sure, but I like, I can see Seven running the crew. I, I don't know if Rafi's the right one for it. Okay, well, that's fair. But you even have different directions you can go in because we've been told there's going to be a Starfleet intelligence show coming up at some point. Yeah, but that's centered around what's her name for George. Yeah, that had Michelle Michelle Yeoh. So, um. Uh huh. But she she's traveled between time and worlds. There's no reason why she can't show up at this time period. Fair enough. Mm, I don't think it's going to happen. 
I'm not saying it would work story well that way. I'm just saying it's possible. That's just as much as saying possible that the next commanding officer would be Deanna Troy. That's not going to happen. Okay, so at some point, they she has to basically look at her and say, you know, I've crashed two of these. <laughs> I know. You know that's coming because you're going to get Troy on the show. You're right. going to meet her. You're going to have her meeting crash. You know that's going to happen. I want to know what's going to bring her to this Titan because everyone's forming on the Titan. Everyone's gathering. Is she just going to chase Riker through the, the galaxy? Look, you just left us. How dare you? Right. And then bring her daughter. Oh, and then kid. you have another yeah. crew for the next generation. Small midget. There is a question that actually does feed into this to some extent, considering the fact that you're talking about another next generational character. Kestra. She's probably still kind of a teenager right now, but. Well, it, and, and we haven't gotten there yet, but what is Jordy so pissed about? Probably because it sounded like he was wanting her to leave the, you know, to evacuate the ship. And she's like, no, I'm staying. No, I, I think there's more there. Somewhere along the line, Jordy is pissed at Jean-Luc. Well, you're getting his daughter involved in stuff. I think he's pissed that the painting got ruined in shipping. It never made it to him. It never made it to him. Laura said, nope, leave it. I'm taking it with me. I got the UPS tracking right here, and it says it wasn't sent. There's a whole eBay thing going on between the two of them. Whatever catalyst that's going to happen that's going to bring all of our characters back together to the Titan, right? Shaw's no longer going to be in charge, whether it's Seven or whether it's Picard, whoever, you got to get Deanna, you got to get Worf, you got to get Jordy. All of them is going to come there for a reason. You know, they go back to space dock, too. So they're not going to stay in this nebula forever. Well, yeah, they don't have shuttlecraft <laughs> services all the way out there. Yeah. So, you know, oh, that's another thing that I have wrong. It's like they're at the edge of Federation space and they got there within like two hours. <laughs> this is what you think. Who knows? They could have been on those bunk beds for many, many hours. <laughs> could have been days and days and days. days. <laughs> they said that help was days away. They did say that. But they also said that going warp 9.99999 was going to get you there half as fast as everybody else. This is a new build ship. Maybe nobody else has that yet. Maybe secrets of the ship like Discovery. I want one. Especially because you have shuttlecraft that are Guarded by ensigns. <laughs> at least throw at least throw an experienced chief in there just to keep them in line. Some- you can just tell it's been a while since we've had some Star Trek writers who's like probably not fans, maybe. So after we d- uh, recorded our show for last week, I went back and I started watching the Next Generation. I'd hoped to get through like the entire first season. I just barely got through Encounter at Farpoint. I forgot that Chief O'Brien was in the very first episode. He was in Encounter at Farpoint. Yeah, I, if I remember correctly, because I've seen a video where they were talking to the writers and producers that he was the character that was never really supposed to go anywhere, and it just kept turning into... Uh, yeah, throw Brian in there. We we like Colmini. Just to, you no, know, throw him in there. He's cool. You know, and they just incidentally over episode over episode over episode, the character who was never supposed to be ended up becoming a main character. So Shannon, you gonna meet Valdic at the bar at Chardak Four? Is that gonna be your date? Valdic? No, 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 no. Laris, yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Beverly could come along too. Laris and Crusher? Yes, I, both. <laughs> I'm good with both. What, what if Deanna shows up? Yeah, sure. Seven? No. Oh, we found the line, Jake. Well, yeah, but this is Shannon Seven's we're talking about. She doesn't, she doesn't, she doesn't like, like blondes. blondes. Yeah, see? Okay, okay. Rafi? Ensign LaForge? She's pretty. Okay, there you go. You just gonna run down the list of all the girls I've seen so far? We're gonna start <laughs> with Laris. That's where we're going first. <laughs> and then we might go down the line, but then we're gonna come back to Laris. <laughs> hey, you know, um the Spock's wife is still floating around out there somewhere. She's a bit older, but hey. Supreme. Yeah, we don't know what happened to her at this point. No idea. We don't we don't know if she's alive or not right I'm now. I'm just telling you, I love that ep- we're changing shows for a sec, but I love that episode, Jake, where where she goes in her and her Spock switch bodies. So it's her and Chapel out there talking. 
That was a great. You had to really be in the moment. I'm like, what's happening? Oh, you know what? This is great. They did that so well. So well. Uh, you guys got anything else for this one? I do not. I don't have anything else either. All right. We're really looking forward to see uh, episode three because we think that more stuff is happening there. We've got the whole battle in the nebula. So back to Star Trek II, the Wrath of Khan again. And we hopefully get a little bit more answers or a little bit more complexity and throw some curveballs at it. Beverly still has some explaining to do. Yeah, she talks. I mean, Riker basically gave her so much stimulants just to wake her up and drag her to the bridge. I don't think she could talk. Which I thought was a cool move, though, actually. I thought, you know, even Riker knew, hang on, I got to fix this. What, they're not they're not ever going to talk. Or what are you scared of? It's Beverly. He's like, that's why I'm scared. <laughs> She's like the chief medical officer down there. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Riker knew he needed answers and she's the only one that could give it. And he has to bring her in. You know, don't they have wheelchairs on the spaceships? I mean, come on. Apparently not. I, I don't know. You know. what? <laughs> <laughs> Crutches? A crusher? Well, I think. It hasn't been explained anywhere, but I know the decks are made of grab plates, but I swear they have evolved with nano nanites or whatever so that they turn into the Jetsons walkways through there if you need Back to. to airports. Yeah, there you go. She needed something. It must have taken forever to get to the bridge. <laughs> he probably threw her over his shoulder or something. I don't know. Don't bleed. Don't pop a stitch. Let's go talk to your boy. How about your boy? Oh, they don't do stitches in the future. That's true. They've got tissue rebuilders yeah suture machines or whatever all right well that's it for this week and jake's going to find out exactly what he's going to name section 35 we, we got the general thing and our captain is going to tell us what we're having for dinner next time okay <laughs> it's, it's it's starfleet psychological group i haven't even had dinner yet so okay okay all right that's it for this time Catch you guys. Oh, if you guys have any thoughts about these Picard season three, please get a hold of us on Trek underscore worlds on Twitter or my email address is Stargate Pioneer at Guinegeek.com. I would have you email the show email, but I don't have access to that. That's Sean. And you know how reliable Sean is on passing stuff along. So yeah, go ahead and email me, Stargate Pioneer at Guinegeek.com. Cool. See everybody next time. Bye. Bye. Jake, that's you. Oh, goodbye. <laughs> Section 35. 35 out. Wait, wait, wait. We're talking to me? This has been an episode of the Strange New Worlds Fancast P3 edition. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being with us. If you'd like to hear more shows like this one, you can find us at strangenewworlds.podbean.com for more podcasts on Strange New Worlds and the Picard final season. If you'd like to contact us, you can hit us up via email at strangenewworldsfancast at gmail.com or on Twitter at trek underscore worlds. We are a part of the Lone Wolf Podcast Network. You can hear more of this cast and other shows like it by checking us out at lonewolfpodcasts.com. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Does this make me sound weird? Yeah. Any different? Well, keeping it on will help with uh, mic noise and with pops. So the plosives, the My God, I don't know what he's done to this thing, but it stinks. All right, we'll get you a new one. Tell him to get me a new one. Well, probably needs to be done anyway. You're supposed to change those out every so often. I don't know how often, but that's probably the original one, so. I don't know. He uses it multiple times a week every day, so. He's into multiples, huh? <laughs> Aren't we all? And if we're not, we should be. Hey. Hey, Jake. What's going on, buddy? We can't hear you, Jake. Speak up. Gotta get ears. Enunciate, pronunciate. We can't understand what you're saying. <laughs> it's that whole section 35 vibe that he's got going on. <laughs> I really don't, but I can see the bald spot where they cut into me. Damn it. It's like. That will go away. That's a pretty deep groove. I can say that's a pretty deep groove. Also, your hair should eventually get long enough. So. Yeah, check this out. I definitely have a, uh, what do you call the mullet on the side over here where it it used to be nothing. And then long over here. But it's not the same size.
I don't know if he ever communicated it to you or not, but obviously you didn't go with the suggestion I gave Sean, which is that you should just shave your head completely, let it all grow back even. I thought about that. I thought about shaving it down to where it's even with the rest of it growing, but my my issue is I have a wedding to go to on April first, and I'm like, I'm not going to wear a ball cap for a wedding, so I bought a wig. <laughs> I was going to say, get a wig. Those things are great. Yeah, I've never had one before, so now I got a redhead, and Sean's like, oh, I'm like, see, we're going to try it, so. I have a coworker that his wife is undergoing chemo and radiation for breast cancer, and in the process, you get a wig, and I think they bought, ended up out of pocket, I think they bought two wigs. Anyway, when she throws the wig on, her name moves from Dawn to the girlfriend, Donna. <laughs> Makes a whole new persona about it, right? That's right. So you, if you don the wig, you get to name your name, whatever it is. Cool. I got about two weeks, so. Oh, there you got. You got two, Who knows? two names, two girlfriend names, stripper names, whatever you want there. <laughs> I'm just thinking, don't, don't tell Sean she gets stripper names. Please don't tell Sean <laughs> she gets stripper names. That's why I told her and not Sean. Maybe like, what are the girlfriend you have? All right, SP, who's the, who's the chick that I can only see half Poster behind you. Who's that? Oh. It's signed. I can see that. Show me the chick. Ah, blonde. Yep. Sorry. From what? Uh, What's that from? Agent Shield. Agent yeah, Shield. That's Agent Carter. Not your Agent Carter. Sharon Carter. You got my hopes up all excited. <laughs> yeah, I'm all about the uh, Sharon Carter. Energize. <laughs> 